0: Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban
1: Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair.
0: Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: All right. Good afternoon. It is lunchtime, the center of the hour, center of the dial, middle of the country. This is University of KMOX, as I dubbed this show some years ago. And you might think that that's uh, kind of presumptuous. Well, you have to understand. This is where I go to learn. I have learned some pretty cool stuff here on KMOX, hosting this show for the last many years. So I call this University of KMOX because learning actually goes two directions, sometimes even three and four when you get multiple people together debating what's the right uh, way to uh, frame a house. Uh, so it's interesting. Every now and again, uh, we've got somebody that, uh, you know, we've got a complex uh, framing situation at Mosby Building Arts, my day job, and I'll see an email that comes out that says, Okay, we're all gathering, we're going to figure out how to frame this structure. And what that means is we've got a complex roof or support point, or we're removing a column. And uh, you know, you get uh, a few wizards together and you start debating whether it's going to be a steel beam, a glue lamb, big, which is a big, fat, two inch thick piece of plywood, if you will, that's you know, could be 16 inches tall and four inches wide three and a half inches wide that and and wood posts steel posts uh, various uh cantilever on and on and on the point being that the more people we have debating and looking at these problems it gets kind of fun so my term of university of camo x kind of comes from our mosby office in design because our our company mosby building arts is uh, we have all the carpenters, uh, licensed architects, designers, uh, everybody it takes to hold up that roof. And so you get a bunch of smart people together with different ideas of how to do that. You go at it long enough, you drink enough coffee in some of these morning uh, meetings, you can figure just about anything out. Uh, And one of the issues that I always found in uh, uh, my times, uh, that if... I can't figure out quickly what the answer is. That just means it's really expensive. So, you know, if I walk in and I see something, I look at the plans and, you know, our Mosby consultants are the same way. They know what they're looking for. They draw back on their experience. Most of them come from the field. They've been carpenters, builders, contractors in their previous careers and lives. And so they know kind of what is behind the walls. We more than most understand you know what's probably behind that what you go down in the basement, you see the columns, you see the pipe, you see the plumbing, you see you know steam pipes or hot water heat pipes, ductwork uh whatever it is. It's like, well, okay, if it comes down here and I go upstairs, I kinda have a pretty good idea where it's going. Sometimes we don't, and when we don't, the interesting thing is, you know, people say, Well, what you know, what am I looking at? It's like, well, you this project's probably between seventy and a hundred thousand or seven thousand and ten thousand, whatever that range of confidence is or isn't. And if I don't know and it's not easy to figure out, that means, oh boy. Um yes we can and you know, hang on to your checkbook. We're going for a ride, so that's kind of how I gauge the complexity and the budget. Because with our level of experience, if we can't figure it out pretty pretty quickly, uh, and we will be able to figure it out, the more time it takes to figure it out means the more complex the answer is, more time-consuming, material-intensive. Dollar resource intensive. some more it's going to cost anyway those are the things that keep me sharp and why I call this University of KMOX because um, I, I learn a lot I mean golly the, um, I, I find it interesting some of the <clears throat> points and questions and comments that come in here uh, for example last week was one of those times for me uh, I forget the man's name But uh, a lady was calling in, um, and she was going to do this repair herself or try to, and the water supply line coming through her foundation leaked, and I mean, leaked a lot for a long time, and she'd kind of had enough of it, and she was going to go at fixing this. She called me on the KMOX Home Improvement Show, and we talked about it here, and a few calls later, a man called in and said, here, I have a, a different idea. And, you know, I had suggested you open up the area around it or basically just you know, jam a cotton old T shirt around it to compress it because I wasn't imagining that she would be comfortable with hammers and chisels and urethane caulks and epoxies and stuff like that. Um, from from the, her question I sensed that it had to be a fairly simple Solution. Well, the guy calls back and he says, well, you know what, uh, for what's her name a few calls ago, uh, if you can jackhammer or chisel out around that iron pipe, and it's like, well, yeah, but that's probably not going to be something she's, she can do. Here's where it just blew my mind. He said, well, put Vaseline back in there around the pipe and jam as much Vaseline or inject as much Vaseline between the pipe and the concrete as you can back inside the hole and then pack it on the surface, that void that was created around the pipe, he was proposing one inch around it, you fill it with beeswax. Have you ever messed with beeswax? That stuff is supremely sticky, and what he suggested was you can get it from, you know, just a... a, uh, wax ring for mounting a toilet to the floor of the flange. So beeswax is actually pretty easy to acquire at a hardware and home center. But Vaseline and beeswax, and he apparently had some experience with uh, vaults, uh, you know, like bank vaults. And he said, yeah, a lot of these bank vaults around St. Louis, they'd get these little hairline cracks. They're generally a big concrete built structure usually against an outside wall maybe they leak maybe they don't he said yeah a lot of those uh, the water gets stopped by vaseline like wow and so in concept knowing those materials you know a non-pressured water leak you can you can you can pack that with grease basically you're talking about axle grease in vaseline form which means something you've got anyway that's a perfect example of university of kmox i was not the teacher I was the student, as were you. And you know what? I think it would work. May not work in all situations because you get a little water pressure, hydrostatic pressure, something like that. It'll push that Vaseline out. Maybe not so for the beeswax. But anyway, I'd never thought of packing or patching a foundation crack with vaseline or beeswax the reason i'm not really bullish on that is because once you put vaseline on it you kind of contaminate the surface so if you're ever going to if it doesn't work and you have to bring in a foundation injection crack repair specialist getting that vaseline off so that their epoxy or urethane crack injection repair can stick that gets kind of tough. So unless you really know what you're doing and can do that well, or you're sure you're never going to, you know, hire a crack repair guy, you know, professional... That is the thing. But anyway, that's my point, is thank you so much, because last week I learned some stuff, and that was University of KMOX. Uh, Scott Mosby, stand by here. Coming up here after this next hour the Home Improvement Show, 1 o'clock, your retirement professionals, 2 o'clock business, a family business, on throughout the day, University of KMOX. We've got some good callers on. We need just a few more and uh, my name is Scott Mosby, I am at your service, and I'm very pleased to be here this afternoon on this weather day, man, this is why St. Louis is glorious, this is terrific, and I'm not looking forward to highs next week in the low 60s, but you know what? We've got a few days of fabulous weather coming up. We're in one now. A couple more. Off we run. I'll be back for more after this on University of Cam All right. Ho, ho, ho. Home improvement here. Scott Mosby, Cam It is 12-18, uh, and we are wrapping up the final hour of the Home Improvement Show. Stay tuned. Lots of things happening. Bring it on. Phone lines open for you. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Let's roll up the uh, phone lines and get Bosco, my uh, pet gerbil back there who's on the treadmill, cranking out 50,000 watts. Just a little bit of help from our friends at Ameren here to broadcast this signal on the blowtorch of KMOX St. Louis. Let's talk to my buddy Jack. Hey Jack, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunchtime, bean time, grill time in St. Louis. How can I help?
3: Uh, Good good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I had a new driveway poured about 12 months ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like, I don't know, two cars wide, maybe 30 feet long. I haven't (laughs) sealed it yet, and I'm getting several circular, I think they call them pop-outs, or about, I don't know, three-eighths or a half-inch deep. and, And so I'm kind of figuring out, I have some vinyl patch material that, I maybe could use. Should I use that, and should I power wash it and seal it, and if so, in what order?
2: Uh, I would uh, not patch it. I would power wash it, and I would seal it, and I would leave it alone. Those pox, p o c h s, pox or divots, are places where the concrete, rock, gravel. May be too close to the surface, so there's not enough cement paste covering it, so that pock or pop uh, will happen. It most commonly happens during the winter from freeze thaw, but uh, there's a, um, a tool we call a jitterbug, and it's a um, it's a mesh pounding tool of uh, wire mesh that pushes the aggregate or the rocks down in that or it could be vibrated something that puts more cement souped up to the top Uh, the issue is they're really thin, they're shallow uh, they're ugly but patching them can be successfully done. The problem is that cement color will never ever match, not from now till eternity. So what you Mm. wind up Is you know be careful what you ask for you might get it. You wind up with now a a polka dot, um, you know, dalmatian Mm -hmm. look chunk of concrete. So yes, you can, and no, you shouldn't.
3: But uh, well, will it stop? I mean, will they stop popping out once they seal it? Usually, the first year is the worst Um, because
2: and and sealing does help because what it does is it prevents the moisture from penetrating and the stains therefore from penetrating. So. Though your driveway probably will continue to pop or pock a little bit like that over time, it usually gets less unless you get a really deep freeze without sealing your concrete. So sealing your concrete isn't magical. It just lessens the consequence from what concrete's going to experience anyway. So, you know, bird flies by after eating blueberries. Now you have bird dropping, you have a blue stain thing, or you've got oak leaves. That was my big one. Oak leaves would sit on the driveway and then the rain would come and they'd sit there four or five days and all of a sudden I have brown concrete. You know, that's what the the sealing really... um, And likewise, so those stains are easily washed out over time with just rain or sun or a hose and water. Um, But it also prevents the deep soaking in of water, which this time of year, you know, it's time to seal that concrete because, you know, you get deep soaking water and then you get a deep freeze for a month and we could have one of those. It'll, you know, it just pocks and blows concrete apart on all levels.
3: Okay, and then once I power wash it, do I need to let that dry a day before I seal it?
2: Depends. Depends. There are uh, water-based sealers, which are getting better and better every year, Um, some of which form a crystalline, like rock salt, um, and uh, those are effective. So some, you want the concrete a little a damp for which are water-based sealers. Most are not water-based sealers. Uh, They have kind of a silicone in them or a little bit of oil or something like that. Um, So silicone is typically your classic old uh, concrete sealer, brick sealer. There are two concentrations of that stuff. Um, uh, They're a little hard to buy at the home centers. You can get them at a good hardware store. They'll order it in, or you can get it at like a New Way concrete supply, N-U-W-A-Y, and it's concrete uh, silicone-based sealer. The problem with silicone is once you put silicone on that concrete, you'll never put anything else on it because it's like Tefloning your concrete. You just spoiled that surface for any kind of other coating. (laughs) Okay, okay.
3: All right, yeah, and I saw some of Lowe's it was like a hundred and sixty bucks is that for a five gallon is that stuff that's pretty expensive i guess
2: yeah that's that's about the appropriate and look at it there're two different uh for example at a home center like that uh you pro- that's probably the right stuff there's a, I forget what the concentrations are it's like a point o one o and point o two o um the point o one o is you know one percent silicone by liquid. And it'll go on, and it, it there'll be a little bit of a color change in your white concrete, not much. But if you put the .020 on, which is better for sealing, that's like putting, um, you know, T on your driveway and it will tint it a little darker take some of the white out does a little better job sealing that all of that stuff still has to be replaced after about three or four years because mother nature's wind sun and water you know will dilute the top and you'll need to reseal again
3: okay well thank you very much i appreciate it
2: Yep, Jack, in one year, for, I mean, you're right at prime time. This is the perfect best time to seal concrete. About a year later, because Mother Nature's already blown away all anything that was bad, a good power washing. Uh, and then follow instructions and and uh, uh, get somebody to tell you how to seal your driveway. So wherever you're going to buy this material, if it's at Lowe's with the big the five gallon cans, uh, have them walk you through exactly what it is. And keep asking. Find you'll you'll find somebody there that knows. And if not, you can find a hardware store or a supply house that can tell you how to do this. You again. All right. Take care, Jack. Thank you. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, Let's see who else has been waiting a while. Let's go to my buddy, Ted. Hey, Ted, Scott Mosby, afternoon here on KMOX. How can I help you, my friend?
4: Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. I'm looking to put some luxury vinyl um, in multiple rooms um, Mm -hmm. to try to just have some continuity because currently today we have some Bruce flooring that's uh, pretty old. The house is approximately 34 to 35 years old. And so we have Bruce flooring, hardwood flooring, uh, linoleum in the kitchen and then, uh, carpet as well as tile for the bathrooms. Now I don't want to put the vinyl in the bathrooms. However, what I'm concerned with is that, um, everything I've been reading is saying that yes, you can put luxury vinyl over hardwood, especially if it's, you know, nailed down, um, to the floor, to the subfloor, which it is. And so my concern is, A, do you agree that you can put luxury vinyl over hardwood floors? And if so, do you need to at least do one sanding and put the uh, underlayment under that um, vinyl flooring then?
2: Um, first off, kudos, you're asking the right question. And um, no, I don't advocate putting that uh, any vinyl or sheet flooring over a multi-joint moving substrate, which is hardwood floors. Every one of those boards gets wider and narrower. Every one of those joints gets wider and narrower between the winter and the summer, heating and cooling seasons. So the point is, yes, you can, and no, you shouldn't.
4: Okay. Um, (laughs) And so you're then recommending then I have to bring up the hardwood and have the subfloor then?
2: Yes, absolutely, and here's why. You're about... First off, you live in a flooring showroom, it sounds like, with all those different floorings. You know, for a Mosby designer to walk in, they'd say, holy smokes, you know, there's no no feng shui, there's no comfort, there's no ease or consistency, and every one of those change in floors is a boundary definition divider of space, so you're about to fund with one floor a great feeling improvement in your house, number one. Uh, So you're about to spend and pay for this. You also have the opportunity now, uh, Ted, to um, align the heights of all of those dissimilar floors, carpet, hardwood, um, uh, linoleum, vinyl, you know. So the point being is this is going to be more costly than you, than before I started talking you can get underlayments of various thicknesses um where under the carpet remove the hardwood you can align that up so that your top coat finish of luxury vinyl floor now makes that home fully accessible for wheelchairs walkers three-point canes later life uh home visitors that have mobility issues and frankly i don't know if you'd like me i walk around the house with the lights off and a cup of coffee every morning i'm an early riser and a change in the floor elevation may mean a fall for me so uh i'm advocating that you're so close to getting it right get it really right align those underlayments and underlayment is different than subfloor. Subfloor is not suitable for vinyl application, uh, like a chipboard could be under carpet. That's not suitable for gluing down vinyl. The point is, if you're willing to fund all new floors on a universal finish throughout your house, get the elevations and one-level seamless uh, limited transitions on your thresholds and doorways.
4: So if I were to get a bid then um, with something like that, would I... Would I suspect that they're going to want to say, well, we're going to put down some new subflooring, um, you know, rip up the old subflooring, put new one down? Or yep. would I even expect them to say, well, we might just instead of doing that, we just might put some self-leveling, um, I don't want to call it concrete, but self-leveling right. um, material down to help just get that continuity on the level surface?
2: Uh you probably it'll be a combination of the two. If somebody does if somebody's gonna go over what's there, you're getting a, a lesser cost, lower quality in um a project. Uh because your luxury vinyl is gonna last a long time. This is worth getting it right. But the cost for luxury vinyl might be $10,000. Getting all these things to line up, pulling off the baseboard, all that stuff, you you might be $28,000. So it's a big difference in terms of what you're biting off. But you're also talking about, you know, luxury vinyl floor, you may be done for 20, 30, 40 years, too, uh, into later years. And... It does have additional value to buyers when they come in. I mean, baby boomers will st- we're still the biggest chunk of home buyers right now. So um, you're now um, kind of preparing for that mobility issue of guests or per- future purchasers.
4: Very good. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it.
2: Right on, Ted. It's a it's a big decision, but uh, you know you're spending the big money already. You're fixing all the sins of what's underneath it. Go ahead and spend the extra money and get the underneath aligned up because, you know, it it really does matter. And it is beautiful when you get those one floor, one elevation, lack of thresholds, all those changes. Golly, you know, (laughs) kudos. You, you, You sure came up with the right mission is get all one floor.
4: Yeah, no, that's the thing I want to try to eliminate is the number of transitions. So that's why I was asking some of those questions. So appreciate it again.
2: All right. Take care, Ted.
4: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye now. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Again, um, one of the issues, I, and I, and I want to kind of um, confess to you here, um, hiring a designer generally means you're going to pay more. And people say, well, not necessarily. Well, but a designer will take you through a dozen decisions. Whereas if you're just on a do-it-yourself, you just, well, I'm just going to change this floor. That's one decision. Uh, I just kind of went through how a designer would look at this. It's like, okay, if you're already funding that level of investment, you now have the opportunity. So if you're going to paint all of the house... Uh, golly, now isn't it time to fix the windowsill on the outside there, maybe change that siding that's only going to last three or four more years instead of painting it one more time. So the issue is when you get a professional's eye on site, uh, they're going to see a wider scope of opportunity and maybe a longer list of things that could and should be addressed. So when you get a professional, effectively you will spend more. The issue is you're also going to do more and get more, but uh, just confessing to all of you out there, you get somebody in here who has a professional eye. Uh, the decision is yours. You always hold the consumer always holds the yes or no decision. Are we going to do this? Are we not? I don't. I don't want to spend twenty eight thousand. I just want to spend you know ten. Maybe we'll we'll level out these three floors here. Um, but the point being that uh, so many times a Complaint in the remodeling industry is largely what I heard as chairman of the Better Business Bureau years back was I didn't know I could do that. Well, remodeling's expensive whether you know or not know you could do that. But did anybody come to you and say, you know, for an extra seven or eight thousand dollars more? we can get rid of the change in floor elevation because you can put luxury vinyl floor in your kitchen, your dining room, your family room, down the hall and in the foyer. But if those are all different heights, now you still have every one of those changes in elevation, a threshold transition, a piece of metal, piece of wood, piece of something, a step up, step down, something that doesn't you know, slide across. It's a trip hazard. But if nobody asks you that and you're unaware You're still going to spend a lot of money and then find out two years later that, oh, I I could have gone just a little bit further and really had something I liked. So that's that's the issue. I just want to kind of confess to you the realities of bringing a professional on board. You're going to pay more. Because they see more, and they're going to ask you, hopefully, they have those conversations, the engagements with you, so that your decision is part of all of that, as opposed to, well, here's a price. I made all the decisions for you. Just we'll start, you know, two months from now. It, 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 it's, it's important to know what you're getting, why you're doing it, and who and you're making the executive decisions. I'm going to take a short pause for now. promise I'll step down off my stump, and uh, we'll take a short break here on CAMWEX. Scott Mosby at your service. I'll be back.
0: This is the KMOX
1: Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair.
0: Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: All right, back together here. We have a show going up next, 20 minutes, up till 1 o'clock right here on KMOX, 1 o'clock after the news, weather, and sports, your retirement professionals here on KMOX, 2 o'clock the business of family business. You can listen to all of this, take me with you. Rewind me, mute. Rewind all. Hear what those things. are. What did Scott call that thing last? I'm gonna go back and see all that on Odyssey.com app. A u, excuse me, a u d a c y dot c o m is the website, but the app is also an Odyssey app. They have all kinds of, you know, basically radio stations coast to coast, all sorts of connectivity, digital and such. So anyway, your way to take me with you can listen to me three weeks ago. You could mute me whenever. I mean, think of that. Okay, ladies, think of that. If, if you had a mute button on your husband's forehead, would you use it? Or? Maybe we don't talk enough to begin with. Next up, let's talk to my buddy, Mike, and see if he uh, wants to uh, press his mute button. Hey, Mike, good afternoon. Welcome to KM Wicks. How can I help you? <laughs> well,
5: that's a good question about the mute button, man. <laughs> yeah. um, got a quick question. I've got a screened-in porch, free season, okay. and I have a wood-burning fireplace uh, in there. So um, I had it cleaned not too far back, and the gentleman said – there's an inner flu and an outer flu on the on the unit going up through the um, through the back there. And he said uh-huh. the inner flu pipe is disconnected. There's a there's a gap there. You could see see daylight in a sense. Yeah. And yeah. I've called around a number of people to see who would work on that. I'm I'm not having any luck. Um I so saw I guess I would need a recommendation. And then well, secondly I thought we gave Go up ahead. to converting this wood burning to a, a ventless gas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been told that if I do that, I could simply cap off that flue that's on the existing fireplace box. I wouldn't have to worry about having it reconnected. So uh, that, then I started that's thinking true. about, well, we have code issues, that, et cetera. So I, I, I just want an opinion from you.
2: Well, number one, there are single wall uh, flues, which would be on a potbelly stove. You've just got that sheet metal pipe that goes up, turns over, and goes through the wall. That's normally a single wall flue pipe, F-L-U, uh, or U-E if you care. And then there's a double wall that basically has a second piece that is to keep an air gap so you have an hot, a hot hot inner pipe that takes the flue gas and the heat from the, you know, the wood burning. And then you have a space and the outer pipe is for cooler. So when you have a double wall pipe, you need to leave a minimum of two inches from any combustible material because that second wall gets hot somewhat, just not as hot as the inside. There's also a triple wall and sometimes a kind of like a cement filled Insulator, isolator material on some of those multi-wall flue pipes. The point being is when you're inside pipe, usually stainless steel, when that separates from joint to joint or from the single to double wall, that's a failed flue pipe. That's a big deal. And in that kind of material, there's no replace, repairing it. You replace it. You need to get up and change this stuff out, So, and that is relatively easy um, other than tearing apart the wall or whatever the opening is for that. Um,
5: Do they replace the entire flue pipe all the way up?
2: Usually for liability reasons because it's kind of like <clears throat> when one headlight on your car goes bad, then the other headlight's usually not too far behind it, so when you change a headlight, you change them both. Likewise, on a flue pipe... Right. Um, you know, do I want to be the contractor that three years from now I only replace that one section and your house still burnt down three years later? It's like, well, why did I pay you? I thought I was buying some insurance against house burning. So the contractor will um, and, and actually the you kind of screw these things together and you lower them down through the roof. So it's hard not to replace all of it. So for you uh, and, you know, it's it's literally fire. So this is important to get all right. right. Um, so the whole flue pipe would be replaced, uh, and that's uh, oftentimes there specialty contractors that do that. This is heating and cooling, so furnace guys do this or know who to do it with. Um, they're they're used to that. Uh, kudos to your chimney sweep or whoever inspected that flue to find it. That's that's right. that's important stuff.
5: Because we use it periodically.
2: Yeah. Now, now you say a screened room here. Uh, I'm interested in that um, from the um, vent-free fireplace. Do you have glass on this, or does this room close up as well?
5: No, it's strictly three-season. It's all screened.
2: Oh wow! Then, first off, I like flues it's like and chimneys. by
5: twenty-four in that range.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, if your room is hugely ventilated. That's a pretty cool room, by the way. I, I love chilly nights in a screen room with a fire. I, that Now we're mm-hmm. talking. So I know your motivation. You can change to a vent-free fireplace because a vent. your room is so well-ventilated, you're not going to have any carbon monoxide issues at all.
5: Okay. Yeah. Um, if I would go that route, um, can I just uh, skip fixing the flu?
2: Yep, you literally disconnect that flue, assuming it only serves that fireplace. The vent-free still has, it's like a space heater. You go through the back wall of whatever that fireplace box is. Right. And you would, it, assuming it's on an exterior wall, and you're going to put one of those metal finned exhaust parts. They go on the wall. They're about 18 inches by 18 inches. They're kind of ugly, and they get really hot. So you have right. to think about what's on the other side, who's on the other side, sidewalk, um, you know, table eating areas, and all that. So that's an important part. But there's if you're if you're in a screened room, you can put virtually any kind of a fireplace there.
5: I see. So then we just obviously have to run a gas line to the uh, fireplace, right? Um, right. I okay. have a stainless steel unit. It's from Lennox, mm-hmm. and that can be does that. Can that be converted, or do I have to buy a whole new inset?
2: Um, I don't know. I'm not familiar with the Lennox uh, fireplace, but generally when you go to gas, if you're going from that unit to vent free it's completely different engineering. So that whole firebox would come out as well.
5: Oh, okay. Now, if
2: you add gas logs, that would require okay. that you change the flue, Keep the firebox and then add gas logs. And don't don't um, underestimate this. A direct vent fireplace is going to dump carbon monoxide on the other side of the wall, which then can circulate back into the room. I, I believe the best answer is replace the flue, replace the firebox, or replace the flue, keep the firebox, and install a gas log. Now all your chimney okay. flue gas is way up in the air. You know, and you're not smelling, you know, on a windy day, you can smell, you know, stinky, you know, gas fumes, sure.
5: frankly. So you said replace the flue and then what?
2: Uh, and then add a gas log. Because once you replace the flue, you can burn anything in that existing firebox you want. Wood, mm-hmm. gas, anything.
5: So replace the flue, you can do the gas logs, and then do the, um, the vent-free one, you said?
2: Nope. Then, then you don't have to do the vent free. You you're just adding a gas. You, you know, my opinion is fix that flue, replace it. That means your firebox stays and is just it's it's fine just the way it is. Then you can add a gas log if you want, without oh gosh, having to change right. the box because the box is all ready for burning anything
5: yeah, right now. Sure. Um, one of the uh, contractors that looked at it said that Lennox is no longer in business with these stainless steel fireboxes. Yeah, and so there's yeah. no parts for them. Can you just well, uh, adapt some type of flu system to that? Yeah, yeah. They, they still they still hook
2: quality. up, right? They still hook up two wall, three wall. Again, you know the the flue contractor needs to know what they're doing, and they may need to open something something up to get the connection at the firebox done correctly. But uh, I got you. You, once you get into the flu, you're kind of into generic, standard, off the shelf stuff. Even though you have an old Lennox fire, your Lennox firebox is still going to be in good shape. If you want to add a gas log to it, it just stays put, change the flue. And, uh, you know, frankly, I would talk to a lot of these guys. uh, Oh, Arnold Stove and Fireplace, they can do the flue. I think they can do the gas, you know, guys like that. They're fluent in all of that as well as, you know, they know the history of all these fireboxes and Lennox and what's out of manufacture, what's in, what's cool, what's kosher, all that.
5: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, good luck. I think, golly, I, it sounds, I'm envious. I mean, this time of year, you know, screen porch with a little fireplace in it. Ooh, baby, that's that sound. mornings, ooh, evenings, ooh. I'm with you, Mike.
5: Well, push, press the, um, the mute button.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm All getting right, a little carried you. away. All right, take care, brother. <laughs> <laughs> By now. <laughs> I forgot about the mute button, you know, golly. Uh okay, women, uh show of hands. All of you that would like to see men mounted with mount with mute buttons on our forehead so you can just stop us from talking. There we go. Uh let's see, uh oh nope, I need to, speaking of the mute button, my producer is saying, Scott, mute, mute, mute. I'm gonna take a short pause and come back for more. So Matt Pajeski, my um, producer has just pressed my mute button. I'll be back. Wow! Oh, yeah, baby! Here we go. Oh, yeah! Check this out. Watch. Oh, watch. Spin. Oh, spin! Yeah! Oh! Backflip? Backflip. No. No backflip. No backflip. Oh, uh, 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 no. We'll adjust my medication any moment here. We'll get me back in bounds. Uh, Matt's trying to calm me down here on KMOX. All right, well, let's get back to the phone lines, talk to my buddy, see what's cooking with James. Hey, James, good afternoon. Welcome to Cam Wex. How can I help, my
1: friend? Hi, Scott. Uh, last week you had mentioned that you leave your HVAC fan running all the time, all season. Is there a reason why? Uh, why not? Uh, for me, um,
2: my humidifier uh, in the winter automatically is triggered so it comes on or off. Uh, My air conditioner comes on or off. My furnace comes on or off. But what happens is, just like having a ceiling fan in the house, um, when you get to the really hot weather and the really cold weather, all those corners in the house, the place behind my favorite chair that doesn't get ventilation, those all become too hot, too cold, too wet, too dry, whatever it is. The point being that by running the furnace blower motor, I have filtered air all the time. I also have those UV, you know, uh, ultraviolet lights that kill the pathogens, which everything from flu to COVID. So that's happening all the time. I'd have to change my filters more often. So that's all happening full time. And my heat and cool adds as it needs to. And the hot spots and cold spots are less all for, you know, 22 cents a day.
1: You know. right the cost was my concern i i I'd, i'm with you 100% i I'd, I'd do the same thing in my house but we've uh, had quite a few people tell me that you shouldn't do that but they're well, not, uh, they're not HVAC professionals either so
2: Well, there's wisdom in their words, you know, there is, um, because uh, what is needed for that is there's what's called continuous-duty fan blower motors, So, Uh and I don't have those. I just have regular blower motors, so I am basically cutting my life in half on those fans. Well, you know, fan blower motor... You know, basically, when it goes bad, I'm going to have a continuous duty blower motor installed. So that's valid. It does cost you a little bit more, but if we're heating and cooling according to cost, just shut the whole unit down. It'll cost you nothing. But right, I'd rather right, have right, a right. little bit of value. So I'm 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 cha- I'm spending money in order to increase comfort. Well, that's exactly the full definition of heating and cooling. You're spending money
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. to it. So I mean, you know, how much comfort do you want? And you know, from my point of view, I've got this whiz bang filter thing on there. I've got this whiz bang ultraviolet. Do I really want to use it only half or third of the time? Nah, I want that puppet running all the time. Right.
1: So, yeah, we're building the house right now, and it has all those bells and whistles on the HVAC system.
2: Oh, sweet. Um, I'm envious. So I'm that, envious.
1: <laughs> well, uh, so that was my, that's what I was wanting to do, and that's what I do at, at my production plants. Uh, where yeah. I work, yeah, I let the Systems run all the time, and you know I have a guy that changes filters every, you know, whatever mm. month or whatever the case is. Okay,
2: yeah, yeah. yep, yeah. A- for your a- help. A- oh yeah, and uh, do do check in and see that your HVAC motor has rated for continuous duty blower fans because that's that's the ticket. But man, I'm envious. I, I I'm on a oh 25 year old furnace that you know is just a little bit too good. The a a- very warm one so anyway just be aware I, I wish it was more worn out so i could replace it but it's just a little too good so i'm envious <laughs>
1: okay all right thank you
2: right on thanks james scott mosby home improvement here let's see if we can sneak in eric hey eric scott mosby here we've got about a minute how can i help you friend
0: hey quick question south city home bats in between the double line and the chimney uh we got them out i'm always i'm just curious like how do you think they got in there's the it's a the vent at the bottom where you used to put the coal in, uh, called mm-hmm. the wood, you know, that's mm-hmm. all been sealed. So does that mean that there's a gap in the bricks somewhere along the chimney that they're getting into the house that way?
2: Or right down the chimney, too. I mean, they can fly right in the chimney.
0: I guess they could. But, again, that door at the basement was sealed. So um, I don't know. That's... Yeah. That's a good question.
2: I I, I don't know. Um that's a good question. I'm not quite sure how to answer that, yeah. Eric. Um, they, I,
0: they put the cap on the top. You know, they remorted it, and so in theory, they should never get back in there again. I'm just right. like, huh. Well, some know, have been brick. there
2: for a, some have been there for a while. Maybe you just fired up the heating season, and now the ones maybe somebody was trapped in there. It depends when that cap was put on. I
0: don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, well, the the uh, them getting in the house caused us to call the people to put the cap on, and so it should be yeah. fixed. But it just it's always. Fuddled me it's like how are they <laughs> yeah. are they flying through the brick it's like that's not how brick works so i was just like there has yeah. to be a hole and i was wondering like from experience if you're like oh yeah i would go check here
2: no 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 it's just uh, mother nature's pretty clever so and we're less they, clever so they, they, they,
0: we will never win <laughs> right amen have a great weekend
2: thanks eric take care folks talk to you soon coming up next your retirement professionals on Cam x